Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. It is Saturday, June 12, 2021, and this is the 73rd installment of our humble little show. Happy Sabbath, Mr. B-Rad. As always, I am your host, Carson Gibbons, and I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. B-Rad Colvin. That'd be me. Feliz Sabado, amigo. Feliz Sabado. (laughs) Oh, weekend podcast gets weird. I love it. Every time. The last time we did one of these, I think it was one of my favorites. It was like the most loopy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're either uh, have, have gotten more sleep than we typically do or less, depending on how our weekend's going. Yeah. Well, which one are you on this weekend? Um... Feel like I'm pretty well rested. Yeah, I'm on the left side. So <laughs> yeah, you were up early this morning, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, <laughs> let me just tell the audience. <laughs> I wake up this morning. I wake up at eight thirty, but I I see that I've been texted, uh, received uh, three texts from Carson. Oh goodness! <laughs> um, <laughs> three. First, first one being at seven twenty six. Oh, if you could meet me earlier, let me know. I can come. <laughs> This is the part that gets me. <laughs> I can come to you halfway if needed. I'm just wide awake, one thousand percent, waiting till eleven. Um, and then he said, and then later, this is an hour later, uh, fifty nine minutes later. Actually, never mind. Don't listen to pre coffee, Carson. <laughs> Yo, where would we have met? Where would we have met halfway? Bro, I don't know. I was just like <laughs> lashing out of the world. I'm like, you know what? Meet me in Midlothian at a truck stop. They have Wi Fi. <laughs> Oh, that killed me. Um, yeah, I, we'll get into that. <laughs> well, boy, hearing that like from from you, because like I, I don't think about the text messages that I sent. Like they're immediately out of my head, through my fingers, right. onto you, and I'm I'm done with it. Sorry, I walked away. I wake up at eight thirty, and I'm like, oh, this guy's ready, dude. That's that's crazy. I'm one of those people, dude. The people that wake up. At the butt crack of dawn, mm-hmm. you know, when you get those 6 a.m. text messages, you're like, this person's cray cray. <laughs> so uh, let's get into that and more, shall we? Yeah, man, let's get it. It's the weekly catch up with Carson and Brad. Here to talk about the week we done had. It could be sports, religion, politics. We keeping the tabs. You would think they work for Gucci, how they deep in their bag. Get your facts up. On Wednesday, we'll be counting the stats up. So turn the volume up till it's maxed up. You know the drill. So tell a friend to tell a friend to relax up and chill. We back up. This is the weekly catch up. All right, folks, welcome back to church mm. on a Saturday podcast. About to hit him with that sermon. Brother Brad, how have you been? Living the dream, buddy. We took a week off, right? We did. We did. Uh, master's classes began, man. Oh. Yeah. What's going on with that? Um, all A's so far, baby. <laughs> well, it's been a week. <laughs> but it's only, th- it's only three weeks long. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that sort of last, was it last Monday that's why we took off? Last yeah. week, because you run like a seven thirty to five thirty cadence or something. Yeah, man, that would have been crazy. I was also I was also supposed to have that procedure done Monday. Um, yeah, I felt kind of. <laughs> so I saw my mom uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday for her. I asked her if I could say it. She looks amazeballs. So mm-hmm. I'll just say it. She's sixty. No. Yes. That's insane. That's insane. Um, go look at my Instagram. 
you'll think she's my sister, but she's 60. And uh, so she was saying, well, how is Brad's master's classes going? And I was like, I don't know. And then she's like, well, how did his surgery go? And I was like, I don't know. And then I felt like a douche. So I, I texted you and mm -hmm. you were like, oh, didn't happen. Explain on the pod. Yeah. What happened? Um, well, first of all, I also want to extend another happy birthday to your mom. I did text her on her birthday and nice. we exchanged uh, some conversation. I feel like she might, I think I talked to her about the procedure. Anyway, they, they, um, they overbooked is what happened okay um they had actually called me maybe four days prior and said that they had overbooked and asked if i would be willing to set up and and change the date of my appointment and i said no and <laughs> thought that was the end of it and they call me about 45 minutes before um before i'm gonna head out the door and like i was in pain that day i'm in i'm kind of in pain right now like it's always like a little constant but it was like really bad that morning like i was kind of in tears and i'm like yo this is about to be cut out of me i'm about to be set free and um they call and said hey mr colvin uh, so remember we said that we need to reschedule i didn't know what day would work best for you and i said today <laughs> And they said, well, no, remember we said that we were overbooked. And I said, yeah. And I told you guys that my fiance had already uh, taken this day off. Uh, my master's class, my master's classes are starting. I had already talked with my professor saying that I wouldn't be there for my first day of classes. And um, I told you guys that that wouldn't work for me. And it felt like that was the end of the conversation. And they're like, no, well, we're sorry. We can't see you today. And I said, okay, I'm good. I'll find somebody else. Bye. Um, couldn't find anybody else. <laughs> uh, I, I searched around, uh, for several days. I would, that, um, most of them were like two weeks out and that would just be for the consultation. And then my insurance would have to go through again. So it'd be like another month before I could do it. Well, on Tuesday, um, this, this derma, uh, the actual doctor from this dermatology site um, called and extended her apologies and Olive Branch and said that they're extremely sorry and it was 100% their fault. And uh, I played nice because I need this thing out of my arm. Yeah, and she called you direct. Yeah. 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 So yeah. That, that makes well, me feel I, I better about it. it. Yeah, I felt the same. That's like... I know that for them, it, I'm it's like, like I, I'm in pain. It's like me moving a demo around like, oh, you can get it tomorrow. But no, like you're in physical pain, like it's yeah. pushing up on other things. Like it, it's also crazy because you think back to all of these procedures that could have never happened during COVID because they were prioritizing for COVID patients and mm -hmm. non-elect, you know, elective surgeries, which this might have fallen under coming out of a dermatology unit for sure. Right. It's like, I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. That's yeah. uh that's wild. Like th that just shows like the lack of communication where they yeah. like, they called to tease about rescheduling and then they like get off the phone and they put in the file. Like, yeah, yeah told him that we would need to reschedule. And then he said some stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I said that that first conversation, I said, that's not going to work. And they didn't have somebody assertive enough to tell me, well, then like, then you'll need to find another place. It seemed like because I stood my ground, 
that it was going to be okay. Like they didn't say, well, that's not an option. And so, um, yeah, going in thinking, yeah, it, it was a, it was an emotional day. The older you get, the older I get, the, uh, the more I learn about the commerce of healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, versus like the outcomes and patient care. Um, and there's a, there's a gap there. Um, the way that they sell you additional products and, you know, land and expand with your account, you know, with health maladies that they mm-hmm. can find pain and alleviate it with medications and tests and treatments. And it, something about it seems immoral in some ways. Um, again, coming from the biggest capitalist ever. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like there's just something about, and I wish that there was more comprehensive care provided. It seems everything seems so niche and microservice where Mm -hmm. you're like calling around to this list of niche specialists in dermatology that remove these things. And meanwhile, they're sending you to another campus for blood work and go get a general checkup over there. And it's like, I don't know. Lipoma, by the way, Um, not lipoma. Yeah. Not whatever. Brock was like, good luck with that lymphoma, Brad. (laughs) No, he said lipoma. Oh, uh, he said it correctly. And I was like, I knew it wasn't lymphoma guy is smart. Yeah, he is. He just diagnosed that from the pod. Yeah. He's a, what is he? A doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah. Oh, Buffin abroad's I mean, a doctor too. Dude. If, if dude, screw that guy. Are you for real? Let me look it up to make sure. Don't tell me he's an MD. Hold on. He's man. got those washboards just, looking like keep, Dustin Johnson over you there. You just keep complimenting him. Just, uh, Brock, how are you not going to have like any info on Living on top of a mountain. On Facebook. So I, versed in you know, crypto. I, and You know, I, I'm, do you have it on your website at least? Let me let me go to this guy's website to, to make sure. It's like low-key. I'm Dr. McSteamy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have to say, I was driving around – uh, thinking about this yesterday and don't get me wrong. I still get sad and I still wonder if I'm doing it right. I still do all those things, but I was driving around yesterday just thinking, man, a lot of aspects of my life have really been coming together and mm-hmm. like my recognition of them and the perspective and being okay with where I'm at and like seeing seeing the trajectory and I really felt like I wanted to give Brock a shout out because the die with zero book that he shared, um, coupled with everything that's occurred and like just stuff with work and, you know, taking more control of my own personal financial destiny mm-hmm. and future and diversifying investments. And, you know, just realizing that, you know, I can, I can have value demonstrated for me in my life in different ways. You know, I, I have value stored in Robinhood, Cash App, Venmo, USAA, Schwab, but I also trade that value for memories that I create. And I'm so much more, I feel so much better about all of that. I don't even know how to say it really, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm more okay with the way that I'm thinking about spending my time and thinking about the future and I don't know, just feel more settled and gelled in that area than I probably have maybe in my entire life. Um, but I really did feel like 
some of the concepts that came from Bill Perkins' Die With Zero book that he shared with us just really positively impacted me. Still haven't read it. You can take it home today. I will. It's, um, you know, I think it's just really good. Um, it's just one of those that you don't even have to read the whole thing if you don't want to. You'll get the concept after a little while. But read the first couple hundred pages and, you know, it just really... I realize now there are moments of value that I describe in hindsight that I more directly correlate with Die With Zero now, where I'm like, mm -hmm. that was an example of me doing something that I could do at that point in my life, um, like travel and different things like that. Um, it, it inspires me to plan the next travel scenario, regardless of what's occurring with work. Yeah. Anyway, bail me okay. out here. You were looking uh, him up. Uh, he, at least in 2018, he was a PA. Um, I see his badge in one of his pictures. But right. this this dude's elusive in in exactly what he does, and you know. So I'm going to be honest. Most of the world doesn't even know he has a kid. Exactly, and then and that's the way to do life, dude. I was thinking about that after I listened to the I listened to that part of the show last week, and I realized like you're like. Yeah, they haven't announced it on social media or anything. And I'm like, should you be announcing it on this podcast? I checked. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't have shared that had I not been given the go ahead. I I already had like rampant intrinsic respect for Buff and Abroad. And I thought that he was a nurse, dude. I thought he was a nurse. I didn't realize he was a freaking doctor. Well, yeah. PA. Now I hate that guy. <laughs> Brock, share with us what you do, man. Because I, I feel like a terrible friend for not knowing. Why are you going to win um, so hard, Brock? Yeah, man. That's not cool. <laughs> um, really felt like... Much uh, love. Really felt like some of the relationships generated through this show were demonstrated last week. I saw an exchange on Twitter uh, where big listener of the show, uh, actual guest... And one time, yeah, contributor guest and contributor Heston Williams was tweeting at, at Buff and Abroad and congratulating him on um, the secret baby, Axel, mm -hmm. Axel, the secret baby Axel. And then Buff and Abroad tweets back to him and says, thanks, buddy. Uh, I want to invest in that thing you're doing. And I just like was sitting there. They've never met no. IRL. And I was like, man, we had talked about the We've always joked about the monetization of this show, and one of the things that I even talked to to Heston and Michael and you and several people about this week was, you know, we've never made a dollar on this show, aside from like the little donations we've gotten from <laughs> friends or family to get new mics or audio ship hours or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But to be able to introduce people, drive community, and really, I felt like this show is becoming more and more of like just Brad and Carson's curation of like, here are the stocks we're buying. Here's mm -hmm. what we're watching. Here's what we're reading. If you care to participate, let us know. We, we are the DJ Khaled of big business, baby. Working all summer. <laughs> <laughs> you scared. Take it to the head. <laughs> like, uh, uh, um, a AMC and Ethereum up, down, up, down. <laughs> All I do is win. <laughs> yeah. And it stays there. <laughs> Cause it's up and it's stuck. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't stay there for me. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, AMC is going to be cranking again, man. You're so, you, yeah, anyway. Let, let's save that portion of the, sure. the podcast. But anyway, he may or may not be an MD, kind of like Heather. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I apologize for not knowing Brock. That's my that's my bad. Well, glad to hear that baby is doing all well. I might meet uh, little um, Aspen Williams maybe tomorrow, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to my cousin Scott's 50th birthday party tomorrow in mm-hmm. Burleson, Texas. And so I had told Heston, hey, we're all fully vaxxed. Let us know. Maybe we could hook something up. Stop by, see the new little one. Because I ha- yeah. still, haven't, still haven't met her. That'd be awesome, man. They were last checking to see if she had antibodies. Um, I know mm-hmm. that for everybody with newborns and stuff, that's kind of like trying to figure they out wanted... their susceptibility is mission 1A, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm loving seeing his po- uh, Heston's posts. He seems to be enjoying the dad life and um, loving everything that's coming with that. So, Knowing him so well and like having read his uh, Twitter tone of voice for so many years, I, I truly think that he's like mind blown half the time. Like, do you get that sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, for he's sure. Like, what? Like, what? It's almost like so supernatural and mm-hmm. metaphysical, or whatever you would say. Like, yeah, the way that he's connecting, like the emotional, spiritual, physical impacts of like being a father, mm-hmm. is kind of mind blowing to watch. And I forget, like, there's still such distinct people, um, like he and his wife individually. Uh, and same thing with like Buff and Abroad and his wife, for instance, but you forget that they even have a kid from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Wild times, man. I'm all for keeping those kids behind the scenes, folks. There's a lot of folks that could take note. There's some people that all you see is the kid, you know, like you don't even see the parent <laughs> yeah. anymore. They're just like a, a fat shell of what they used to be. <laughs> yeah. And they open up the wallet and yeah got the, got the 20 pictures falling out oh shoot when was the last time you saw that dude that that was done away with the, the iphone yeah but some people still carry around um like the little pocket photos you even carry around your insurance card in your car anymore no like printed out no i have it i have it digital oh dude it was so funny um our buddy michael who we saw at brunch this past weekend for uh grizz's birthday yeah uh, that was a very fun day. It we was. had a nice little brunch over at Chelsea's Corner for Grizz, and uh, Shell Bell went above and beyond with a bunch of decor mm-hmm. and like balloons and yeah. staging. And shout out to awesome. her. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And our buddy Michael, her fiance, he just got a brand new Mazda Miata MX5 little roadster. And it was the first time I'd seen him since he got the car. And one of the first things he said as I walk in, we're all having a mimosa by the bar. And he goes, yep, already got a ticket. And I just, when he said that, I just walked away. I was just rocking, laughing. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, Awesome. <laughs> um, but he, he was saying, because we were talking about having insurance digital. Yeah. So I was just thinking about when, the last time that you had to show a cop, like yeah, your yeah. digital insurance card. And I haven't in quite a while, but... That reminded me of him having to show it like three yeah. days on with the new car. That's impressive. <laughs> Shout out to Michael. He's been watching that F1, man. It- I know. And like low key, I told him, I said, do you remember the circumstance that led up to you being able to get this car? Like a wreck. Yeah. Okay. 
So what'd you do? You doubled down and got something way faster, lighter, and even smaller. And you're out there getting tickets like, and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, you know, I hate being like that old dude now, but you know, I don't want my friends to die. Yeah. I get that. We just care about you, Michael. Yeah. So enjoy hating this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So master's class has been good. These were all virtual. Uh, Virtual this first week and then the rest will be in person. So I will be at Southwestern at 7.30 a.m. on Monday. You happen to know, uh, is it everybody from last summer? Uh, Several, yeah. Did some of them keep going straight through? Okay, so these are like rotating classes, so they have like options, different options every summer. So like some of them, like from my first year, some of them, that was their last year. So we took the same classes, but now they took the ones that they needed and they're filtered out. So we have some new students this year, some, uh, and then, you know, some from last year as well. Anybody I would know? Um, nope. Pedro Cantu? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, wait, wait, Pedro Cantu, will you show me a photo? Sure. No, I'm thinking about, there was a Diego. I think, I think Pedro might've been after you. Pedro Cantu sounds so familiar though. All right, everybody, take a quick break to Google Pedro Cantu and send him a message. <laughs> uh, guy over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've seen him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Didn't really have a relationship with him, but knew of him, saw him. Yeah, and there might be... Brazilian? Uh, I believe. I don't know. Don't give me... A... You asked questions that I have... N- <laughs> I don't know, man. I offered up the info that I know. All righty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. <laughs> yeah vote for pedro <laughs> yeah and sorry if you're not from there man i just, I just gotta apologize after every person just uh <laughs> let us know where you're running and we'll vote yeah um and then dr england uh, this is the last class he will ever teach really is he yeah. at the end of his run yep he's retiring and um so i'm the last class wasn't he like a road cyclist or something mm-hmm. like that yeah yep, does a lot of that uh 60 plus years in teaching and goodness he's exiting he actually met ellen white (laughs) (laughs) shout out yeah she got onto him for that bike (laughs) yeah she's like not on sabbath now (laughs) what would she think about us podcasting um it's of the devil yeah Yeah. well she was never wrong (laughs) (laughs) never ever we are sitting here watching this is the only pga tournament that will ever happen this is like some sort of interim tour event uh i think the rbc heritage was like canceled or postponed again so they are having this like impromptu event somewhere in south carolina um south carolina climate just looks disgusting i hate it like when i was in charleston last august or september Mm -hmm. for bo and stephanie's wedding like it was just sweltering and disgusting humid the girls are about to head there for i think it's Shell Bell's bachelor. So I think Sierra's having her her bachelorette in Nashville. I got her save the date this week. Mm-hmm. Very excited to go see uh, her nuptials with Paul uh, in Palm Springs this October. That's what's up. Going to be really fun. Yeah. I think that all the Dallas peeps have like, I think we rented a couple apartments or something mm. for the weekend. And so we have like two two-bedroom apartments. For, I think it's like 
a couple couples and then me and Grizz. <laughs> we'll have like our own little suites. Shout out. <laughs> so <laughs> we're rolling deep over there. That's going to be a lot of fun. That will be. And then Shelbell has her um, her bachelorette in Charleston. Okay. So, you know, Carson just gave you all the heads up about the weather. So sorry about that. But I've been candid with my thoughts about Charleston because she's been candid about, you know, her different venue selections or, or mm-hmm. location options. And um, I don't even think this was her first preference. I want to say that she wanted to go to L.A. and do the whole like Housewives tour and TMZ, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Like she wanted to be on Rodeo. Yeah. You know, eating at catch or something. <laughs> Didn't work out. Or uh, well, you have to remember, this has all been over the course of the last 24 yeah, yeah, months yeah. because we were supposed to have done all this. They were supposed to be married, married for six months already. Right. So everything got pushed back. And There's been many iterations of this. There was like the speculation uh, initially of like, oh, we're going to go look at these venues. And then mm-hmm. we locked on a date and then COVID hits. And now it's like do all that over again. Sure. So that makes sense. But it should but be a really good I, time. Yeah. I mean, the people alone will make it a phenomenal time well and you know we truly are going to be out of covid from like a mask and Mm -hmm. crowd perspective and i got my first haircut last night without a mask looks good um took it just in case it was the first time i brought it anywhere but i figured so i talked to the girl i was talking to the girl that cuts my hair um and i said so when did your mask restrictions go away because i had it in my pocket walking up to the front Mm -hmm. door and i didn't see a sign regarding a mask whatsoever yeah not even like hey we changed the policy if you're fully vaxxed come on in so i walk in immediately see that all the guests are not wearing masks but everybody Mm -hmm. working there is wearing a mask yeah so a couple of minutes into the haircut i said when did you guys relax the max mask policy she goes when they sent us a text message at 10 o'clock last night and said oh but you got to still be wearing them and i said today's the first day like how ironic and i said and you i said just so you know (laughs) i kind of felt like maybe she was concerned in that moment because i I was like i'm fully vaccinated just and she was like i am too and i was like well that's (laughs) stupid why are you wearing that yeah she said well if a guest says that you can take it off you don't have to wear it is what they told us and i said she said i don't know what that is and i said that's a wink is what that is Mm -hmm. they're like wear a mask unless they don't care wink so she took it off Mm mm-mm Oh, you didn't tell her? You didn't release her? No, I did, but, you know, I, I'm not – she she wasn't about breaking the rules. Got it. Well, your haircut looks nice. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. I went with a two this time on the sides yeah. instead of a three. It looks like you uh, got the Porzingis. We uh, – <laughs> I said, uh, I want to do like a th- two or a three on the sides, blend it. And she's like, so – two or a three and i was like ah you got a two and a half and she was like no <laughs> you get the two can maybe last another week longer without getting your next year cut for the longest time you didn't want to buzz it all off because uh look too young and now i'm like you know take some off like <laughs> get down to that blonde youngness mm-hmm. well it looks good thanks buddy yeah man what else has been going on with you uh... anything besides masters and no, nah, man. I'm ready to get into some of the happenings of the world. Are you now? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Mavs elimination? Sure. Mavs are eliminated, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, No, Luca put up a great fight. Um, didn't seem like he was 100% the whole series. Uh, and now they are out. He definitely needs to get some help. Uh, feel like, 
I, I'm really hoping that some, a different team will take over Porzingis's contract, um, but I don't see that happening. Okay. Yep. I don't know anything else about the NBA. Uh, actually, I do. Let's let's talk while we're on the NBA, just a high level about what's going on with like LeBron James. Like, why is he such a? I don't want to even want to say that he's a polarizing figure, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, the right is really starting to use him as like a, an example of like everything that's wrong with politics and sports today. And some of his tweets, yeah. One of the shootings, I think, where the uh, the black girl was attacking the other girl with a mm-hmm. knife that the cop shot her actively trying to kill someone else. Yeah. Uh, he had posted a picture of that cop and said, you're next. And didn't seem like it was sheltering, you know, um, a police, like it was very exposing of his privacy to 50 million Twitter followers. Sure. Um, for something that had happened hours earlier, but there's been many instances recently of, Especially with his uh, treatment of China, I guess. Selling out to China. I'm not as familiar to that one. Basically, uh, it sounds like the NBA makes a lot of their money with like Chinese television and merchandise contracts and whatnot. No way. Yeah. We don't make the clothes here? Uh, Well, but they're huge consumers of the NBA as well. Okay, sure. Huge consumers. It's like their biggest market for the Mm -hmm. NBA. And whenever... There was a situation where somebody recognized Taiwan as its own country, you know, age old tale. China thinks it's China mm-hmm. and that you shouldn't call it Taiwan or recognize it as its own entity. And mm-hmm. so, you know, multiple people have walked that back uh, in the sports world and been ridiculed by, you know, certain people for it because it's like it's such corporate elitism and selling out while just, you know, brushing over the truth. Got it. You know, mm-hmm. Um it's like people that didn't want to offend uh, really this, this relationship with China is just becoming ever more delicate and complex. It seems like, yeah, you know, because they produce all our meds, they produce all of our stuff. Um, we're in debt to them. We're pretty reliant. Yeah. We're it's, we, there's a lot of tangents that we could go off with mm-hmm. this. Cause I also want to discuss, uh, all of the hacking of pipelines, yeah. uh, meat, meat plants like all of the things that have occurred recently um i know that we were on the nba but you you got any insight on this whole lebron james situation and um well first of all if uh you've been watching the nba for a long time uh you're gonna have that debate if michael jordan was the greatest of all time or not um you know there's a lot of people that say michael jordan um he while he was playing he always played like he was the best, but he didn't. Uh, it didn't seem like he boasted that. He did take the game very seriously and pushed his teammates um, as hard as he could. But for LeBron to come in and say that he's the greatest of all time, uh, so a lot of people have the issue with that. They think he's arrogant. Um, they also think the game has changed in that if he were to play in the era with Michael Jordan, he wouldn't be as good. Um, so it it just depends on what lens you're looking through, I guess. Well, and it's kind of an incomplete character assessment comparison in that Michael Jordan didn't have Twitter or Instagram Mm -hmm. or a direct line to the people, you know, he could have further exploited the line that he did have 
you know, anybody would have set up an interview with him seven days a week. Um, but he was notorious for not even sticking up for issues that certain people would have had him rally for. And he was famous for having said, there was some sort of issue that he was pressured to weigh in on Mm -hmm. with his, uh, with his platform that he wouldn't. And the famous quote is Republicans buy sneakers too. Yeah. So, you know, yep. And so, and I took that personally. (laughs) (laughs) Good quote. Um, and a lot of people wish LeBron would do the same. And that's what makes him polarizing is that he's calling himself the best. He's, he's, um, he's using his platform to speak out, uh, on other political platforms and, um, rubs people the wrong way. If, if you don't agree with him. Yeah. I don't agree with the way that he handled the cop situation. I, I don't, I think he could have been more delicate with that and saying you're next. Um, I don't agree with that message. I mean, that seems like a, a threat of violence yeah. or weirdness. Like it also, if you have 50 million followers that, you know, those invested to give kids that go on and dox people and figure out just from like a reverse Google image search, Google image search, you know, where you work. I've seen them like whenever Charlottesville happened and they were identifying the Tiki torch guys mm-hmm. or, um, you know, people in riots after that, where they would like, this is Jeffrey Mason and he lives at 1027 Clover lane and works at this Wendy's. Yeah. Um, that's scary. I, I will also say that I think that LeBron James, let me pitch this to you for a second. Hit me. He might be a more well-rounded individual than Michael Jordan was. Okay. Michael Jordan might have been a bit more of a blunt instrument of, you know, seeking highs. And that's rendered by winning. You know, he had big gambling issues. I don't know if you want to call them issues, but, you know, was known to gamble many thousands of dollars per hole of golf. He was very obsessive with golf. He'd play 72 holes a day. Um, You know, he'd flip quarters with the guys in the Mm -hmm. stadium. He, He was, whether he was playing baseball, basketball, golf, cards dominoes it flip it didn't matter he wanted to beat you and that was what he got off on and i think was otherwise okay with not being quoted as much in the public light yeah you know get get me these sales get me this money and let me excel in all these areas lebron james has not demonstrated the the gambling propensity i think the only issue that he ever got into with the law was getting clock going 106 miles an hour on the freeway Mm -hmm. in the entire time that he's been in the public eye yeah given a hundred million dollars he's pretty at age 18 out of high school you know he's gone on to be with the same woman this entire time Mm -hmm. he is you know he has kids that are almost 20 years old yeah like he him and drake were watching uh his son play last night i saw drake getting all up on the ref uh (laughs) (laughs) i didn't realize that uh lebron james was there too yeah um yeah, and Drake's son was also on the sideline. Drake's son is really young, right? Yeah, like three. Is this Adonan or Adon Adonis? Adonis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, um, also another thing uh, that people uh, use to discredit LeBron is that he's jumped around uh, different teams several times. You know. I, I think that LeBron has played the more modern game. He's yeah. if we're this is not an apples to apples comparison. And when I talk about him as potentially being a more well-rounded human, 
I mean that because granted, you know, from a business perspective, Jordan certainly diversified and created a whole new vertical. Like he was mm -hmm. a category trendsetter. LeBron James has sold a lot of Jersey and merch and shoes and all of that. But I think that his entertainment vertical that he runs with his uh, Maverick business partner, mm -hmm. guy named Maverick, um, like they're in big block blockbuster Hollywood, you know, productions. Yeah, and, uh, um, Le LeBron's about to be in the new Space Jam. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that I don't think that MJ had back in, he might have had back in, but he didn't own the production studio or anything that yeah. the first Space Jam was done in. And I think that, you know, LeBron is going to be like an executive producer type, I bet. Like mm -hmm. he's going to, he has more creative control. He he's was, setting yeah. up a lot of different things. He, yeah. He also was like the executive producer. I think that was the title um, for like a two chains album. Um, really? Yeah. You don't remember that? Titty boy. Uh huh. <laughs> that was his first name whenever he was in the play circle. <laughs> I, I gave Grizz a, a ride home after our extended brunch day on Saturday and she lives over in Lakewood where there's no street lights on every street. And so mm -hmm. I'm going over and it's raining cats and dogs. And I hit this, like, you know, they have like the bumps in the road. I hit this bump and I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. And she's like, you hit the titty. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, she goes, uh, you hit the Texas titty. <laughs> I was like, what? I have never heard that. I had never heard that. And so I'm telling somebody else about it and they're like, yeah, it's called a city titty. <laughs> That one. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. I've never heard that before in my yeah, life. That got around me. That's great. So, yeah, that's what makes a LeBron polarizing, I believe, to answer your question. He's big on social media. He's big in business. He's big in the actual game and the sport. He's big mm -hmm. in philanthropy. He's a big – he's actively embraced the whole role model aspect of things and, like, case study. He's also very vocal with political items. Like, mm -hmm. he – He's willing to go into a lot of arenas that I think Jordan was like, those are thankless arenas. I'm going to yeah. stick to like being this, you know, pedal to the metal competitor that gets money. Yeah. Because to this day, as evidenced by the last dance, you know, dude has issues. <laughs> this is true. You know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I would say. Yeah. All right. So that's NBA. Um, where were you going to go? Go wherever you're about to go. Uh, UFC? Sure. No, not UFC. Well, Logan Paul boxing. Yeah, there's multiple things to discuss on the Paul boyfriend. Okay. Um. So we had our Money Mayweather fight against uh, Logan the Maverick Paul, uh, an exhibition match uh, last Sunday. I hadn't caught that it was an exhibition match, meaning that there wouldn't be a decision. Yeah. Until after the fact, I think Michael told me. Yes. So I think that's another reason why Floyd did it. He's he's like, you know, this is tons of money that I'm about to be making and um it's not going to hurt my record regardless of what happens because it's an exhibition. Um yeah, I totally had not caught that part. Yeah. I heard he only made 100 mil and that Logan made 20. Uh, I heard that he made 120. Like I heard that it e the payout equaled 150, and I thought Mayweather made like 120 off of it, but could well, be wrong. That's a little uh, weighted. Well, yeah, but it, as it should be. Well, it was interesting because I didn't realize all the goodwill that would have been 
was going to be generated from this where I, I saw because I, I saw some of Logan's tweets where he's like, my competitor small. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then that was all pre-fight, like smack talk. And then the fight happens and I see his post and I watched his video where he's like, dude, I'm so blessed like to be in this ring with the greatest yeah. of all time. Like I've got, I don't, I don't dislike Floyd. I love Floyd and this entire team. For him to and be, like, yeah, that in that moment, that's the first time I've ever respected him. Um, I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, dude, I was completely inspired. Like, no okay. homo. I hate to say it, but, like, I was completely inspired by the fact that these guys, like, against all odds, against the grain, are setting – they're the first of their kind in a generation of YouTubers, and they parlay that into crypto success. Like, his brother Jake mm-hmm. Paul was on a – the Bitcoin conference stage yeah. with the Winklevoss twins and Tim Dillon doing a live podcast, you know, the day before the fight. Yeah. And they were actively commenting on that. That's the one that's going to fight Tyrone Woodley. Yeah. He is the more legitimate fighter, I believe. But for Logan to stand in the ring for eight rounds with the greatest of all time, to hear Joe Rogan talk about it, he had a, a podcast, I think with Duncan Tressel where they discussed this and he's like, you know, if if the goal of boxing is to land punches and not be punched, Floyd May- Mayweather is the greatest of all time because yeah. he's really only been hit and rocked and hurt mm-hmm. three times in his entire career. Yeah. And none of those resulted in a loss. Right. Um, do you think Floyd fought his hardest? No, I, I didn't watch it. First oh, you didn't? No. Dude. I, I, okay. I need access. I got to pull up at least one clip. Because um, I couldn't even find any real clips after the fact. Yeah. It was there, just like still images. There was one where Mayweather, it's it appeared that he was holding up Logan so he wouldn't. I heard about the controversy. Um, and people are speculating like there was something in the contract that made it seem like it had to go all eight rounds. Um, but you can, I, I don't know how long it's going to take me to find this clip. So if you want to, yeah, can, no. we can keep moving on, but, um, this podcast is audio only too. So yeah, I don't think the tots are going to, I was just going to show you. Yeah. But no, I would love to see whatever coverage you have because I didn't even see anything post fight, but to, I always like, a. have never quite understood how competitors in real fights could stand in the ring and then when you break it up, like they're fine to break it up and like have respect for each other and like hug. And like, I'm like, if you just beat my face in, <laughs> I hate you. Like, yeah. you know, I don't get that portion. And that's probably because I've never really been a competitive. I think I stopped at the, the yellow strip belt in Taekwondo in yeah. a strip center in Plano back in the two thousands. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, it, it, it would appear that he accidentally knocked him out. Um, I think this is it. Ultimately, people hate and they're like, oh, those Paul boys get all this money for nothing. But it's like, dude, I'm 31 and still trying to figure out how to hold my own in the public arena and represent who I want to be and all of this stuff. So to see a person in their mid to late 20s who's got tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, apply themselves to something that they want to do, monetize it, and then to give homage and honor to like... That 
you know, it's really stand up to. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, he's like holding him up. He totally was holding them up. Yeah. That's wild. I'm watching this clip right now, and oh, Logan just takes a big old swipe. Floyd ducks, hits him, and then he totally looks like he's holding him up for a minute. Yeah. And even in Logan's speech at the end, he's like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if I lasted out uh, eight rounds or if he let me last eight rounds. Like, even Logan said that at the end. Um, so I just thought that was interesting, but, but it was entertaining and the under, what is it? The undercards, is that what it's called? The boxers before them. Um, they, those are fun matches to watch as well. The only complaint I have is, uh, Showtime fumbling, fumbling the, the ball there, uh, and us not being able to access the fight through them after purchasing it. And a lot of people experienced this. Everybody, uh, it seemed that they got refunds and we found like a, um, we found a different website to watch it. Okay. I, I didn't catch any of that drama. So mm-hmm. Showtime was the distributor or yeah. the carrier of the fight. Yep. And, and it was like down, it was pay-per-view yeah. just one time. Yep. How much? 50, 50. Yeah. And okay. So you got to be wired up with Showtime at home mm-hmm. on Sunday. When did you purchase it? Uh, that morning. And then prior, how- we gained access to like all the videos and everything like before the fight. Um, but whenever it was time for the event, like, uh, completely down. So did they, we missed Ocho Cinco's fight. You know, he fought. No, yeah, no way. Yeah. He 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 fought. I can't remember the guy's name. Ocho Cinco lost, but, um, I mean, he still did pretty good for boy. We're just like really taking dancing with the stars to an extreme. It's like, you know, beat the stars brains out. Like <laughs> seems like everybody's getting into this. I'm okay with it. As long as like they, like, it seems like Ocho Cinco, you know, he's been training for it. It's it, obviously Logan Paul has been training. I'm okay with that. If they're just kind of throwing in celebrities, then I kind of lose interest. Um, but if they're actually taking it seriously, then, then I don't mind watching. Um, Will you go back? I I appreciate all this conversation on the actual stuff, but I'm fascinated by this uh, Showtime debacle. Oh yeah, from a user experience perspective. So, what time was the fight? Um, I think the first event started at ten. Okay. PM. And so, when did you figure out that you did not have what you needed? When the, it was supposed to go live, and then it's did saying you, like, did you an get error. an email? No. Did no, you get a modal? No, dude, their Twitter account was tweeting as if there was, they're like, oh, Ocho Cinco got knocked down. And um, they're like tweeting throughout all of these fights throughout the night. Not, and nobody's watching them. No. And then there's one Showtime um, like service account. You know how different, you know how different businesses like have different twitter accounts for different yeah. parts of the business yeah. they had like a service one that said we are working to fix these issues it should be up in like 15 minutes two hours later nothing was resolved and th- this were they a distributor or the exclusive they were the exclusive distributor so nobody watched any of the undercards oh uh, so what i'm understanding is some people were able to get in but a large I'm, i don't even know if it was a majority but a large portion 
was not able to view it. How did you gain access to the knowledge that you could get it on this different streaming site? You've never like watched a Cowboys game? No, for uh, sure I have. But like, are you telling me that there was no legitimate way to watch this? Not that I'm aware. Well, I mean, what a fumble of the bag. That's like, what I'm you saying. You had one job. I, I don't yeah. understand. So did they just have to go out of pocket on the well, uh, And that's, the, what, I, the that's what I was asking is like, who who ends up paying Mayweather and um, Logan? Is, is it the court? Is it like Showtime because they're coordinating the event? And then if so, are they out a lot of money because they're having to pay these fighters and reimburse a lot of people who weren't able to watch the event? That's my that was my main question after everything. <laughs> well, and it's wild. Like you tell a YouTuber and the most famous boxer of all time, "Hey, you're about to go into the arena. You know, mm -hmm. we're gonna have all the cameras set up, and then you get done beating beating each other's brains out for eight rounds, and they're like, oh yeah, the cameras didn't catch any of it. Nobody <laughs> saw anything, so buddy. The, well, the cameras were working because on the site that we went to, it said Showtime, right? So we know that they're filming it. It's just a matter of them not being able to handle that much traffic. Like they were unprepared for the amount of people watching. That's wild. Yeah. Like scale your server infrastructure or something. Agreed. So much easier said than done. I'm, I have extra special interest in this uh, just based off all of my recent yeah. stuff with work, well, like, you know, stabilizing a product. And also we had a big, we had a big event this week that we were really excited about with a bunch of folks from Virtual Fight Club mm -hmm. who were doing this uh, this uh, experiential virtual event in an Accenture platform called uh, Live Moments that they had built for Tomorrowland mm -hmm. in Belgium, like the big rave. And it was cool because for the rave, like you could basically get on boats in a canal with like eight of your friends and ingest the stream of Tomorrowland. And so it was like your own private gallery canopy experience yeah. virtually. And so they repurposed that for this virtual fight club event and you sat on couches. So like you would enter the room and there'd be a DJ playing and then you would access your couch. You could say, I want to sit with these people or, you know, randomize me. And then it would be like, dun -dun -dun. and you would be on a couch, like almost like you were in like a, like a, a VIP booth at a club or something yeah. like with the little drapes almost like okay. you kind of had that vibe where you saw out to the main presentation where they had like the actual virtual roast fights going on. Mm -hmm. And so I sit down next to this woman virtually on a couch and she's like, Oh, Hey there, I'm whatever. Um, so it was kind of wild, but we hosted the VIP mixers before the event and the after party. Yeah. The Accenture brought in, a live cover band to use presenter mode and appreciate social to play music live for the after party. And it was really cool. Our platform remained stable. The Accenture platform is actually the one that went down. Really? Nobody could get in for the first hour of the event. So the event in appreciate social is supposed to be wrapping mm -hmm. and it's not like our attendance keeps going up. We keep getting more unique attendees wow. because they needed some place to crash yeah. while waiting. Cause for they the were originally platform. using the other one and then they went to your platform. Maybe they started on ours. So uh -huh. the VIPs started on ours and then all VIPs and you know, general admission traffic were supposed to go to the Accenture platform. Okay. The Accenture platform was not ready at the time of the event starting. Yeah. So we get, you know, a series of emails from Eventbrite saying, we're trying to fix this, stand by. Yeah. And so meanwhile, more and more VIPs from the VIP list start to gather in the Appreciate Social Room. Mm -hmm. 
And so that social ends up going three or four times longer than it's supposed to wow. um, from our duration calendar and ends up getting a lot of unique attendees. And it was awesome because we got press coverage out of this. Yeah. Like we had like the Washington Post in the room. And like <laughs> the coolest part for me was that the CEO of the agency that I interned for in college on American Airlines was in Appreciate Social Room with wow. everybody else. And I'm thinking like, I'm on the team that helped create this product that somebody, I was the pissant <laughs> intern that didn't even get hired after the fact. <laughs> You know, and she was the CEO and now she's in something that I helped bring to market. Like that kind of stuff is so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And wave props to you guys for being on the ball. Well, it, you know, it hasn't always been like that is my oh, main I'm point. Sure. And I felt so bad for my buddy who was, uh, you know, the, the chairman of mm -hmm. virtual fight club who was trying to get all this together and it, credit to him. He's a fighter and a winner. He, he ended up, you know, writing the platform they had a good experience mm -hmm. uh, got the press but appreciate being the stable one yeah. was so cool and so in in seeing the way that we do <coughs> pardon me and seeing the way that we do i won't call it disaster recovery but mm -hmm. uh, customer communication surrounding maybe an outage or anything inclement uh, with our product and then seeing how accenture and virtual fight club is handling yeah. that when you talk about the Showtime debacle, this is all of that on a much more major high stakes scale. Yeah. And, and what's, what's crazy is like, I'm so it was me, Courtney, Alec and Rochelle watching it. Right. And we're sitting there like, okay, so you're telling me like we paid for the event and can't watch it. And there's a lot of people that are bootlegging it and they're the ones that get to watch it. That's kind of messed up. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd pay for another Showtime event, to be honest. Well, you may not have to worry about it if, um, you know, if they go to bid on future distribution rights and people are like, yeah, but we want people to actually get to see the fight. You yeah. know, we really, they want to watch people punch each other. They yeah. want to see the content they paid for. Right. Yeah. That's inexcusable. Yeah, man. So anyway, we did get to see the main fight. Um and it was a fun time. It was a cool event. So were there 50 million Americans just scrambling on Sunday night to try to figure out a way to view Bro, the fight? I, I was on Twitter making sure that we weren't the only ones. And there, like, it was a lot of people complaining. Because I would, I would check back in frequently just to see um, if people were able to gain access. And yeah, no, people were, people were hot all night. So funny how we always run to Twitter to see if our experience is unique That's or shared it. by the masses. Anytime IG, Facebook's down. I, I just go to Twitter. Yep. And typically you just see Instagram down and you're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I'm always like, well, what happened? happened? Is it my account? Like, <laughs> yep. do I have a virus? What's going on? I'm with you, man. Alrighty, and I did want to keep it within the world of sports for this uh, last one before we move on. All right. I know we've got a whole boatload of uh, show notes to get through, but smorgasbord, smorgasbord, pick it from the board. I'll take a PGA Tour for three hundred. Oh, I did want to talk about the Memorial Tournament at Muirfield Village. I teased it in the last episode, I believe. Jack's place. Okay. Uh, Jack Nicholas. Uh, 
design course. He hosts it. He's out there every day. He hits the inaugural shot, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's a big deal. Uh, gets a really competitive field, and it certainly did this time. Um, Saturday, what was I doing? So I was out all day we were, Saturday with, with you guys. Yeah, I was so, with you for some of it. So I was desperately trying to get home to catch up on some of this uh, this stuff because I started seeing a big hubbub on uh, Instagram and Twitter, mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, down, man. Third-ranked player in the world, young Spaniard named John Rom. Very cool dude. Okay. Arizona State University uh, grad or alum, went there, whatever. Uh, prolific on tour. Really cool guy. Uh, married, just had his first baby. He's number three in the world. He's going for it. He's actually defending his title at Muirfield Village for the mm-hmm. Memorial Tournament. He won it last year and shook Jack's hand, got the seal of approval, and uh, added to his PGA Tour win list. This year, he's defending, and he started to just outrank the field on moving day. Saturday is historically called moving day because Thursday and Friday, you're just trying to make the cut, Mm -hmm. set yourself up well for Saturday moving day. And that's when you want to go out and shoot a 64, 65, 66, and, uh, you know, be in one of the last pairings on Sunday and have a shot at the, uh, the tournament title. Young John Rahm just starts sinking everything. He's throwing darts from the, the fairway on all of his approach shots. He's drilling 30, 40, 50 foot putts. Uh, he's just having a out of body experiential round yeah. and ends up walking off the 18th green in the last pairing already uh, for Saturday, six shots ahead of the nearest competitor. Wow. He was minus 18. He shot 18 under par for the first 54 holes of the tournament. The next closest were, uh, it was a T2 uh, at minus 12 uh, between Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay, also a recent winner at Muirfield Village. Mm-hmm. As John Rahm leaves the 18th green, two men in masks come down from what looked like the scoring tent or whatever, kind of on official looking business, and they intercept him, I'm going to say three or four paces off of the 18th green, in front of the cameras, in front of the fans, in front of everyone. Okay. And... You can't see what they're saying, but you see the look on John Rom's face, and it looks like he's just been told that a close relative has died. Um, he puts his hand over his eyes, bursts into tears, what? and buckles. His knees buckle. And you hear on the audio that the cameras pick up because we're all like, what? Yeah. You hear him say, not again. And... The next thing you know, they're panning the Jim Nance and he's saying, well, folks, we were about to go off air. This was going to be the conclusion of our broadcast. But obviously, based on what we just saw, we're not going to leave it here because they literally they put a hand on his back immediately, like consoling him as he's buckling and, and, you know, just kneeling to the ground. He gets up. He walks very adamantly into the scoring um, tent or room or whatever. And his caddy immediately becomes very defensive. There's a camera following them pretty closely on the walk up to the scoring tent. And he actually takes the camera and he says, none of those. I don't want any of those around here. And he shoves the camera away. And it was the live CBS feed. Mm-hmm. So you knew something was up. They were yeah. trying to respect his privacy. His caddy was trying to, was trying to respect sure. his privacy. No one else was. Um, 
Dottie Pepper is outside of the scoring tent. They wait for what seemed like hours, but it was probably five minutes. They finally could confirm that um, John Rahm had tested positive for COVID-19. And it was going to force an automatic withdrawal based on their protocols. And so he walked off the 18th green six shots ahead and was immediately told in front of everyone that not only was it seems like a HIPAA violation to me, mm-hmm. but not only was he, you know, infected and um, whatever, asymptomatic, it seemed, yeah. but uh, that he would be automatically disqualified. Why is he learning this this far into the into the. Yes, yeah, so all of those details started to come out, but it was uh, it was soul crushing because he literally had to automatically withdraw. And all of a sudden it was a two man race on Sunday because both of the guys at minus 12 he was just erased from the leaderboard. Yeah. It wasn't even like an asterisk. When you withdraw, it's just gone. He played three brilliant rounds and got robbed. Wow. And so the next morning, the two leaders teed off at minus 12, and Patrick Cantley ended up winning his second uh, memorial tournament. Did they comment or say anything? Absolutely. It was like it was the elephant in the room, and CBS started their coverage the next day with you know, the whole drama and controversy and – Twitter was aghast, of course. Um, John Rom came out with a statement that was so mature, so ghostwritten, like it had <laughs> to have been. Because, dude, if it were me, I would have been so freaking pissed yeah. that you're going to take me out of – like you basically just took $2 million out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. And I had to pay my expenses to get there and back. Yeah. You know, Nobody's comping me for that, for the NetJets flights, for the hotel stays, for my team all the out of pocket that is associated with that. Yeah. He was for sure going to walk away with the $1.7 million first place prize yeah. out of the purse and the esteem of, you know, he was going for exclusive history. Like I think only maybe tiger had defended uh, at Muirfield village. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very exclusive list of golfers and just um, That's FedEx also- cup standings, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's also weird to me that, it's like super sh- strict on a golf course, I guess, because I feel like there's typically more distance between players. I could be wrong. I mean, you watch a lot more than me, but it, first of all, yeah, I, I feel like why did they not see if the test was positive or negative before the rounds even began? And then. It just it, it, to me, it doesn't seem as serious with it being on a golf course, and they 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 can maintain that distance between one another. But so all of that started to kind of come unraveled with additional reporting. What we came to find out is that first of all, it does not appear that it's mandatory for PGA Tour golfers to get vaccinated. Um, if you are fully vaccinated, testing. You don't have to be tested anymore, I don't believe. For all those unvaccinated, I believe testing had gone to weekly or something like that. Yeah. Um, John Rum was in close contact with a COVID-positive person on the Monday of the tournament week. Mm. And based on the PGA Tour contact tracing protocols, that basically meant that he needed to um, submit to extreme testing all week. So mm-hmm. he was allowed to enter the tournament on the provisional basis that he got tested on Monday, Tuesday, 
Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like he got tested every day. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the tests all came back negative. Mm-hmm. On Friday, he tees off last. So I don't know if they administer the test right before he tees off or what the deal is, yeah. but it didn't come back until 4.20 p.m. Eastern. Hmm. He was already on the back nine by then or making the turn. Got it. Uh, it comes back positive. They sent the same sample back for a retest, which came back positive again at 6.20 p.m. Eastern or in the 6 o'clock hour yeah. Eastern, which is literally – it sounded like they got the positive test pretty much as he was wrapping on the 18th green and physically went down there, intercepted him, immediately got him. And then once he'd signed for his scoring card – Was this the last day? Or, no, no, no there's one the more third day. day. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not like he actually played the entire tournament. He wasn't allowed to play the last tournament, the the last uh, round. Right. But with six shots to spare on, you know, the number three player in the world, it was not out of the realm of possibility that he would have won handily. Sure. So it felt like a robbery from that perspective. But upon further, you know, review, he had come into contact with this person, um, Still a lot of debate. I I would make the argument that this fits directly in with some of the complaints that the players have had about invasive camera work, um, trying to get every reaction, Mm -hmm. hot miking everything, Um, you know, players not having the discretion to be able to mutter a a frog or a snake under their breath if they miss a putt, as well as the mobbing of the fairways and the greens. The last couple of wins, like with Brooksy, with uh, Phil Mickelson. Mm -hmm. Um, with Brooks, Brooks Kepka's, uh, golf channel footage being leaked, like somebody leaked that, that got out somehow. Yep. The overall privacy and in this situation, it seems so blunt and blatant because if it's a HIPAA situation, like with COVID with something, you know, personal like that, you know, get him into the scoring tent before you do that. But the way that they told him where, and then the cameras don't even know to not capitalize on the reactions and trying to crowd in and get the footage. And then you have the, the resulting caddy mm-hmm. who's like literally physically, you know, it looks like it's a TMZ video. Yeah. Yeah. So I have That's... several issues with the tour on all of that. Yeah. I, I can see how you would that. Oh man. That's too bad. Thanks for that dead air as I swig that coffee there, B-Rad. Oh, dude, whenever you uh, put your fingers on the pad, I thought you paused it, so I, I would have oh, kept talking. No, no, no. That was all live. <laughs> <Got> um, <laughs> this does, again, there's so much drama now occurring with the PGA Tour and the spectacle that it's become that it doesn't all seem bad. Like, Rom got totally screwed in this whole situation Mm -hmm. um i hated the way that they told him so publicly soliciting a reaction like that you know when the announcers came back the next day they had to put it in perspective and say you know first of all based upon his reaction we definitely thought that somebody in the old country had had passed and he'd Mm -hmm. gotten the phone call or you know that something was wrong with wife or baby or you know it could have been way worse like nobody is hurt you know, hopefully he'll mend. He's gone into self-isolation. Yeah. Um, you know, so they had to put that into perspective. Um, 
at the same time, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And one of the other setbacks that he's going to experience is that everybody is, um, you know, Justin Rose just posted in, in England. Um, he's on his way back for the U S open, mm-hmm. the U S open, everybody's gearing up for the next big major. And, um, what's his face? Um, Rom is not going to be able to go to the side of the U S um, open location until the Tuesday of the tournament. And so I don't know what this is going to do to his practice regimen. Yeah. I imagine that behind closed doors, he's got private access to stuff where he can continue to practice and not mm-hmm. actually be locked up in a room because, you know, I don't know if he's vaccinated or not. I don't know if this is just total asymptomatic type situation. I want to say that he's had it before. Okay. I think that's why he was saying not again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you think about the the money that it took from him, the prestige, the tour win count, the FedEx Cup points, uh, the ability to have social agency and compete when he felt good. Yeah. Um, all that's taken away from you, but also your ramp up to the U.S. Open and potentially your prep time on course. Uh, I mean, he's 25, 26 years old. Yeah, definitely slows your roll. It's bull. Anyway, um, but you would also think that with golf being the most socially distant sport in many ways, you know, why couldn't he have played? And many people made that argument on Twitter. You know, why couldn't he have yeah. just played alone, carried his own bag, that was you know, done thoughts. anything like that? And I just don't think that I think with the, the first sport to come back from COVID that got the provisional clearances to go with no fans, but to operate with a certain level of protocol, they really blazed the path for all other major sports to come back. Yeah. And now that fans are back, like, again, I think that we're all willing to play by the rules and go above board to ensure that, like, our public domains we can occupy Mm -hmm. and that we can be in crowds and that we can go maskless when appropriate and things like that. Yeah, I would agree. So I I was like, man, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast because I was (laughs) angry tweeting and I just I could not believe it. Yeah. Can you imagine like. It's like taking a no hitter into the ninth, and then they're like, "Uh, yeah. you know, you're go, sick. You go gotta sit go down, sit on champ. the bench." Yeah. Coach yeah. comes out and signals for the left hand pitcher out of the bullpen. You're like, "What the what?" Yeah, that's BS. Yeah, it's like the same level of robbery. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to him. Sorry to the fans. Yeah, it's a bummer. All right, man. We're steadily making our way through this list. I've got. We've done the recap of the June birthdays, uh, third one coming up. Actually, we missed Scott, so my cousin Scott is the day before okay. my sister Meredith, so we're going to have his birthday lunch tomorrow. Shout out. I'm picking Meredith up from the airport on Thursday. She's flying in from Mexico. Awesome. Straight off a work trip, um, and uh, so we'll get to celebrate her birthday physically in person, which never happens. Very cool. So uh, excited about that. We covered PGA Tour, Dallas Mavs, Luke Paul, um, some of the weekend happenings. LBJ. Do we call LeBron James LBJ? Um, nope. I call Lyndon B. Johnson. Okay. LBJ. Um, can we talk about a Netflix special that recently came out? Let's do it. Dude, I watched Bo Burnham Inside. Inside. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you go first. Hmm. But okay, so where do we want are we am I just giving my thoughts? 
what am I going first uh, on? As co-host um, of the show and an adult with listen, your own man, agency? Inside was incredible. Like, if you take into account, he's filming all of this on his own. He He's the producer. He's the writer. He's the comic. He is the sole person working on this. The production was incredible. Um, so the premise is that Bo Burnham has been working on this comedy special. Let, let's call it just a special. I mean, it's comedic, but it's it's also more than that as well. Um, I, I liked entering it in the context of a comedy special. Okay. And seeing what he did with it. Yeah. I, I'm okay with somewhat of that framework being in the listeners minds as yeah. they go check this out okay maybe, maybe we differ on that and that's a good distinction yeah i mean if you okay if you go into it and you're just expecting a guy up on a microphone um you're not going to get that and you're going to get something so much more in some ways it's better it's, like it's yeah it was incredible um so anyway production uh, let, the, let's the, zoom the, out okay who's bo burnham Bo Burnham, uh, he is a comedian, uh, I guess kind of songwriter. He he blew up on YouTube whenever he was 14, back whenever we were, what, in middle school? I don't even know these roots. Oh, you don't? No, no, no. So you're oh. educating me too. Dude, yeah. Because uh, if you look, if you let go me, on, let me do my elevator pitch for what I thought he was. He's that stand up comedian that's kind of millennial, and I think he does more songs. Like, yeah. Uh, and that's about what I know. For sure. So I, I guess me and my, I don't know how we found out about him, but like whenever YouTube first started up, he's like one of the first stars that I followed. He was our age. Um, he would have songs like uh, Boyo, I'm Boyo, the greatest rapper ever. I don't think I've heard that. Really? No. So he started off just taking videos of himself on his Casio uh, piano and would just write these outrageous songs. And we, we just thought they were funny. Um, sometimes inappropriate, but whenever you're a middle school uh, and high school kid, um, that's definitely uh, that was in our wheelhouse. That's all you're looking for. Yeah, I'm like, this is everything I want to be. And as he has gotten older and come out with more of these well-produced comedy specials, he has continued being the artist that I wish I was. Um, his his special before inside make happy is my all-time favorite production it, it's i i that is one that i go back and watch constantly it's uh it's like the antithesis to comedy and and he deconstructs what a comedy set is i thought chris gethard had your favorite stand-up special of all time no he i mean i love that one um and I, I just love what he does as a whole, but uh, not my all-time favorite. Make Happy is my all-time favorite. The other day, somebody brought up Chris Gethard to Joe Rogan, and he was like, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, that, that guy, like, mm -hmm. I guess that maybe he's He's not... under the radar. He's an underdog. Yeah. He just came out with a new special as well. Uh, on what? Uh, you have to purchase it, like, on Apple. Okay. Yeah. So, first of all, Bo Burnham is, like, exactly our age like he's yeah. like 30 mm -hmm. 31 now maybe 30 yeah. he, he turned 30 during the special that was a crazy part yeah um but yeah so all of that about bo burnham very uh -huh. talented 
guy. And so he this- also, b- before we continue with this special, I also want to give a shout out to the film that uh, he directed uh, eighth grade. Uh, I believe it won some awards, um, but it's about a girl just and her experiences in the eighth grade. And uh, he captures like those awkward moments that you have as a middle schooler perfectly. Um, and it's a very, yeah, it makes you kind of feel uncomfortable because, you know, whenever you're going through all of those phases in middle school, it, it is uncomfortable sometimes. But I just thought it was a, I, I'm a fan of everything that Bo Burnham has ever done. So he's definitely not your, you know, middle of the fairway Boston stand-up comic. He's no Bill Burr or anything like that. Um, he's definitely unique. And I'm trying to think about who would you, who's his closest lookalike in terms of, because you know how there's stand-up comics. There's some that just grab the microphone. And then there's some that are like Jeff Dunham who have a puppet mm-hmm. or others that might bring a guitar out on stage. Um, Man. Uh, I would say like, who's he most adjacent to? I f- okay, so this is this might be a weird comparison, but I do feel like there is some comparison, like between him and. Do you remember Dimitri Martin, who would also? Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. So, I, I would so go with he that. would do songs, and it, it would also throw you like you think you kind of know what's going on, and then he would just like throw you for a loop. So I I, I would say there's a little comparison there. But in many ways, I think Bo is in his own own realm. But if you have any comparisons. I think that there's an obvious one that we don't associate because we've never seen all of his work back to back. It's always been part of a larger set. Okay. Uh, but you'd have to argue Andy Samberg and, okay. a little yeah, yeah, bit yeah, yeah, in yeah, certain yeah. ways in terms of he's a funny actor. He's mm-hmm. a, a writer. He can write for sketch comedy, stand-up comedy, also yeah. very much pioneered the funny song. Yeah. Also, uh, within those funny songs, like satire, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that fully. And, and by that token, Yorma and whoever the third guy is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lonely Island. I always like Yorma uh, to cone the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Zooming out again. I start this special and it it tells you right off the bat, this special was shot on this one camera by me. It's written, directed, produced, shot, edited, everything by Bo Burnham. And he did it during the pandemic in an effort to not kill himself. (laughs) I give you the verse, the chorus, even the hook. That's why every song sounds like Drake featuring Drake. (laughs) And uh, I don't even know how to describe what he does, but go check it out because he definitely does a lot of the uh, the songs, mm-hmm. um, some based around what we're going through during the pandemic and some that are just I, you, no way to describe them. And then there's little interludes that are sometimes the like the first one where he's like, hi, <laughs> I think that yeah. was like one of the most unexpected, yeah. funniest parts. Where it sets the tone. Yeah. And I would just highly advise that you go do this because the amount of work, the number of shots that he had to do and the amount of like testing mm-hmm. the the production quality for what you can do on a single camera with some lighting and, and props from Amazon. Yeah. And he never left this room and he turned 30 in this room mm-hmm. and then, yeah, I don't want to spoil anymore, but what was your favorite 
What was your favorite um, piece? Man, I loved the streamer bit um, where he was like a Twitch streamer. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Dude. that. Like for anybody that has ever watched any Twitch streams, like he completely nailed that. Um, the the white I've seen the white woman song circulating. Oh, the white woman was on great. social media quite a bit. Um, also the FaceTime, uh, the mom. Yeah, clear my schedule. Tell yeah. the boys I'm <laughs> FaceTiming with my mom. Yeah. Um, what was yours? I love the streamer one. I think. Oh, I, I thought that one was hilarious when he does the reaction video to the reaction. Yes. Video. Like, I. <laughs> I thought it was genius because watching it was such a mind bender to, and to think that he concepted all of this alone in a mm -hmm. vacuum and how could he be funny? And he even talks about this satirically in one of the songs. Like, is this the time? Like what could be funny right now? Mm -hmm. And he plays on the SJW stuff. Yep. I don't know how he skirts all of these things. Like yeah. he touched be on all these things and yet remained like unaffiliated with any of it yeah. somehow. I, I, he, he's amazing at that, but I, I feel like it's because he's also open and honest and like, yeah, like, I don't know if, like you said, if this is an appropriate time, but I'm a creator, so I'm going to create. And he, he does a great job at towing the line. Um, another thing is like, I just had a question about because he is married. Is he? Yeah. He's married to, um, Laureen, uh, Scafaria. She. This is the chick that uh, directed Hustlers. Really? Uh huh. And like seeking her friend for the end of the world. I like. I'm. I'm a huge fan of her work as well. But they've been married since like. Uh. Well, let me look it up. They've been married since 2013. Um. Wait. So like when they were 22, 23. Yeah. What in the world? And so his life is very private. My and, life's and a so, movie. So it could be an instance where, you know, they might no longer be together. But I think whenever he says he's like I Wait, wait, I didn't I didn't catch where did where did you catch that they may not be together anymore? Well, whenever he's saying like he's turning thirty on his own and you know he he Do just you think that that part was genuine? You think it was actually midnight on his birthday? Because of some of those shots where you know how I'm saying it's not completely comedy. Um, I feel like there, I feel like there were some authentic moments. I, I did question whether or not that was true as well. Partially but, because I, the turnover from 11:59 to midnight in that scene was longer than a minute. I felt like you, think you so? remember waiting for that. Yeah, but if you're just like kind of waiting in silence, like it does, right, but it does feel long. It seemed like it was forever. Yeah. Um, but he made it seem like he was 100% completely alone. And so that's the only reason I question it. But. Well, and suicidal, like racking yeah. his brain and like some of these things you could sense the, I don't know. I appreciated it. Like the, yeah. just the raw visceral, like. I, I think I'm going to watch it again tonight. Uh, I told yeah. myself that I may not rewatch it just because, you know, there's some heavier moments, I guess. Um, but I watched it with me, Alec, Gerald, and Courtney. And like, we all, we laughed at the funny parts. You know, it was, it was especially awkward dealing with those awkward situations next to other people. I kind of, I kind of want to experience the special again just on my own. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I was a huge fan. I think because my question was always, how does he top make happy, which is this huge production. Everything is perfectly timed. He has these bits, um, you know, where music is playing and he pauses it and like everything just, uh, it was so well orchestrated. And, uh, and this was like the perfect opportunity for him to do the complete opposite of that, where he's just in this confined space. It was like, it was the opposite of make happy. And like, I thought that was really cool because I didn't see how he could top make happy as far as like another huge production, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I'll, leave it to you to decide if this was a huge production or not. It, well, in some ways it wasn't. And in other ways it was the greatest production I've ever seen. Yes. But just him. If nothing else, watch it to marvel at the ingenuity of one person tormented though they may be. I think, I think to produce stuff like that, you have to be tormented. Like I mm -hmm. think that the greatest among us are the most conflicted often, mm -hmm. but I uh, will, my creative props just go to him because I was the aesthetics floored. I was the, floored and also laugh out loud at the, when he, yeah. that one um, in the uh, FaceTiming with my mom where he's like, Oh, it's my dad. How you doing? But I'm fine. <laughs> and that's the deepest conversation we've <laughs> ever had. had. Like I, I rewound that part immediately. Cause I was, I was screaming. I was crying. It was so funny. Yeah. So highly recommend that. Yes. Um, if you haven't caught it yet, you need to. Another uh, comedic lyricist that's coming out with something this week, right? Is Young Dave. Oh, Is dude. it Lil Dicky de debuting? Yo, I, I watched the first six episodes of season one last night. and I'm gonna... at, his, at his instruction? Yes. He's like, go back and watch season one. We're going to be coming yeah, at you it, fast with season two. Yeah. And he also appeared on uh, Whiskey Ginger this week oh yeah yeah with gata um so it's them oh, three shoot. so if you don't know andrew santino is also in the show dave and so it's them three they don't even get into the show for like the first hour and 20 minutes um because they're just buddies yeah exactly dude gata is the best yo he's amazing um yeah anyway uh season two comes out this week incredibly excited june for 16 it. yeah is that friday uh Good question. What's today? That 12th? sucks. I saw no, that it's, tweet. It's, it's not Friday. I think you must have liked it or based yeah, on who I you did. follow. I believe that. What, what day did you say? June 16, I believe. Wednesday. I was like, maybe it's already out. That would be a perfect weekend. Yeah, I wish. Activity to binge. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yep. Going to so. have to uh, compare notes with you. And I watched the first. I think that you had. I tried to get into it and then you got me into it by watching the first couple episodes mm -hmm. with me and then I finished it and then I did the same thing for Michael who had yeah. tried to adopt and didn't. And so we were just cackling. Yeah, man. I think favorite line ever is, is it Rosé though? <laughs> we were, uh, yeah, that's a great one. And then also uh, <laughs> um, when Andrew Santino's character says, uh, uh, what did he say? I met... Uh, Ty Dillerson <laughs> or Tyler. Uh, he completely botched uh, Ty, Ty Dollison. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> they got the rap like yeah. 
A-listers mm-hmm. uh, for this season. I saw like a it looked like a festival lineup yeah. uh, for season two guest like guest appearances. Well, I forgot how many guest appearances were in the first season, but there's an incredible amount. Yeah, it's so weird trying to decide what the show is. Like, is it a mm-hmm. biopic? Is it a dramedy? Like, what's going on? We're seeing so much of that crossover from some of these. Are they? Is he funny or is he a rapper? You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's the same thing with Bo, except Bo is like an actual Bo can sing. Yeah, Bo can sing, mm-hmm. and the way that he can and he's gotten better over the years. The way that he can sing in different ways, and sometimes you know that it's his funny singing voice, mm-hmm. but it's not object. It's not offensive. Yeah. Like, you know, that he's like, man, yo, his song straight white male is, uh, amazing. Yeah. I, I really want to in this podcast and go watch some of these yeah. best ones. I really want to go watch the white lady one. Again. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, uh, he also released these songs on streaming services too. So you don't just have to watch the special for them. Um, but I, but Tots, you need to watch the special. Yeah, if you could, don't don't blow it on the on the song streaming. Like, sit down for it, it is an hour and twenty seven minutes, which is incredible. Most most stand up comedians with laughter can barely cover fifty five yep. of solid material, and this was book into book in fascinating. Yep, felt original. Um, Editing job was superb. Yes, the way that. The thing that I'll say, and the reason why I wanted you to still include a comedy special and not just a special, is that it did have like a narrative rhythm. Yeah. There was like, hey, let me hook you, let me bring you in, and now let's chill out for a second. Let me mm-hmm. talk to the crowd for a minute. Like yeah. all those components of like up, down, haha. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess my comment was more of like, it's so much more than that. Like I don't want to box it in. But yeah, it, it is still funny. It, it is a comedy special. Um, You're on the the Dave Chappelle train where he's like, "That's not comedy. That's not what I do." <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I think but. the the comedy sphere is so different now. Like the funniest things that we quote and listen to mm-hmm. are podcasts. They're not even stand up yeah. specials anymore because you can't put the bad stuff into your Netflix special. Mm-hmm. But the things that they say on, you know. Rogan or uh, Flagrant 2 or oh, Tim Dillon podcast. Even amongst some of our friends and family that listen to this, like we even have our inside jokes or anecdotes and everything. And you get that with having more and more of something. Like with a special, if you release one special every four years, like we just get that and you don't necessarily get to know the people. Like there's something to be said about spending that amount of time listening to someone and for it not to just be um bits the entire time well there's so much more latitude extended uh so much more of a a grace benefit of the doubt when it's Mm -hmm. a podcast audience that you know things that you might have gotten guff on in episode two you might not get it guff on in episode 72 people are people know us and i i love how we've quit you know, doing the whole backstory on things and mm-hmm. we just roll with the inside jokes and know who this is catered to. Yeah. And we all know that that person is Travis Simpson. If you know, you know. <laughs> Drummer for uh, Chisholm Trail Academy. Who was it? What? Travis Simpson? He Tra- was my choir teacher at yeah. uh, Burton. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. Our number one cool guy <laughs> listener. Drummer. Yo, if he, Travis, if you're a drummer as well, 
I've always you don't remember my ongoing joke about he sounds like he's like the drummer no, for Blink One Eighty Two well, or a you bad just boy said he something. sounded like he was like a bad boy. Yeah, I don't remember the drummer part, but that would be amazing. He is, you know, he also got his pilot license. I can't remember if I said that or not, but makes sense. Yeah, why wouldn't he? I'm surprised he's just now getting it, being such a bad boy yeah. for all these years. <laughs> Never stop stopping. <laughs> Don't let people not stop helping. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. Uh, are you an Impractical Jokers fan? Yeah. You know the Tenderloins? They've mm, got. I don't think so. The Tenderloins are the Impractical Jokers. Oh, okay. That's their like real name. And uh, those guys have just blown up. You ever see the, you know, Chris Stefano? Yes. Uh, he does a podcast with Sal Volcano now. Okay. And... um have not checked that out yet, but they've made more of the podcast rounds. Like Joe Gatto was on Theo okay, forever ago. And they do a lot of like, you know, the impractical jokers have their own crews. I believe it. I like, didn't know that, but I believe it. Other comedians go on the impractical jokers cruise where you can like wow. go party with them for a week, go to live shows, different things like that. That's um, yeah, it's just, Wild to see all the crossover. Wild yeah. to see Chris D'Elia just back. Like just nothing back. ever happened. Dude, just... and then uh, Brian Callen is back on Fighter and the Kid. I know. It's like just... Me Too and COVID ended. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Because like they, they didn't really. Uh, he came back for one episode and then was gone for several. And now he's just like back. Um, so I'm like, okay. Can we get the next season of You already? Like when is this slated for? Uh, sometime this year, I believe. Man, yeah. I need some of my staples to come back. Yeah. I don't think we have the same staples, but I agree with you. I'm like, um, I'm like where's Love is Blind season two? Oh, is that? <laughs> that was one of those reality ones? Yeah. Is that the one where they're behind the screen and they yeah, can't they see can't, each other? they don't see each other until their wedding day. That's, that's stupid. It I would is, never do that. It is very stupid, but some people do. Some people would be willing and are willing and were willing to do it well some people just want to be married so much i guess i don't know i guess sounds cray cray i i say that i want it and i do <laughs> uh-huh i do i do sounds like there's a few caveats <laughs> in, in... it's a lot of fun to not be married i feel like mm. a lot a lot easier that's fair Lots of um, independence. Mm -hmm. Excited about, I was talking to Heston about investments and a lot of this different stuff here recently. And I was just saying like, you know, I'm making noise about, oh, maybe I should buy a fixer upper home or do something like that and put put my money here. And with this recent investment opportunity with him, mm -hmm. I was like, this is awesome that I can like participate in the real estate investment game and have like you know, this situation going on yeah. and, you know, but I get to live where I want to live. Cause I, if I wanted to have a house, I wanted it to be in victory park. Yeah. You know, I want to live here. And I said, I'm really not wanting to move. And he said something to me. He said, he said, own what you can rent and rent where you live. And I was like, what? Say that again. Own where you can rent and rent where you live, which is a wild you think about it, it's like, I don't want to be a homeowner and live there and be in the burbs and all of this, but mm -hmm. I should have real estate investments that are generating, you know, cash flow mm -hmm. that 
augment a lifestyle where I can rent where I actually live. This is true. I like that. You're just doubling down on everything. Home, Robin Hood, everything. Yep. Love it. How's your Robin Hood been going? (laughs) It's fine. Dude, I, yeah. Mine is always like, you know, we're like celebrating at the Cosmopolitan (laughs) or we're like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Ethereum's down, but that's a a long-term investment for me. I believe that it will go back up and uh, quite a bit more. Um, AMC, I'm up on that quite a bit. What's your position look like for AMC? <laughs> when you say position. How many shares of AMC? Well, never mind. I don't, yeah, I don't mind. Uh, I have like 20 shares, 21 shares. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's minimal. nothing. Um, yeah. I think at my peak, I had... I used to own a lot a, more. A couple hundred, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... So I have, no, I have Bitcoin. I have $5 of Bitcoin from uh, Coinbase. I, I tried to clean everything up and I, I went over to Coinbase and they gave me my first $5 worth of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I was like, great, thanks. I linked my bank account, did all of this, have not purchased any Bitcoin. I was looking for the uh, recurring. I wanted to just do like an acorn thing where I like round up the change or $5 a day or <laughs> $10 a week or whatever, just buy Bitcoin recurring schedule uh, moving forward. And I go to make my first trade on Coinbase and it was like going to be, I I just wanted to do like $10 worth of Bitcoin on a recurring schedule. I couldn't find a recurring investment opportunity and it was going to charge me a dollar. Oh, really? And I was like, what the what? I went back and checked my market buys for crypto on Robinhood and they were totally negligible compared to like Coinbase wanted 99 cents out of the $10 purchase. And so I went and read their information about their fees and stuff. And I was like, this may not have been what was pitched to me by, I know that a couple of like savvy retail investors told me Mm -hmm. don't buy crypto through Robinhood. And maybe they're wary of Robinhood as a whole, but I can tell that when they log back in, Robinhood has been shipping some pre IPO feature sets that are pretty dazzling. Yeah. I, so maybe um, Coinbase takes it in the front end, but you do get taxed by Robinhood. Um, whenever you sell your assets. Yeah, but I don't remember it being egregious at all. Yeah. And I also saw Jason Kalkanis tweet out the other day something about his crypto portfolio, and it was a Robinhood screenshot. Hmm. And I was like, if the king of angel investing is managing that with Robinhood, not to say he's not doing it in other places, but is this a prereq that I have to do it through Coinbase? Yeah. Now, the inventory on Coinbase is much more expansive. Got it. Yeah, so our resident uh, business listeners, um, maybe Brock, Heston, Michael, if you have any insight on this. I'm now Robinhood Gold. Are you? Uh, I was gold, and then I got out of it because it's like a recurring fee. Five dollars. Yeah. I uh, I just got the free trial for thirty days, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to evaluate like what I get out of the situation. Yeah, it didn't seem like my first month was ending, and. I felt like I didn't look too much at the analytics that gold provided. Um, the analytics. I was like, just, deep. just purchase uh, <laughs> or uh, no, no, um, no study, just vibes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I just do what the, yeah. uh, the big ape on Twitter tells me to do. And <laughs> right. But yeah. I, if hands. somebody could teach me how to read these charts, cause it looks like a deep comprehensive analytics dive and the yeah. way that they show like the best buy versus the best sell and like, parting of the red sea like whatever those graphs are i swear 
our friends are just laughing at us right now. I'm so illiterate with some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I couldn't figure out how to make a chart in numbers earlier today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I'm in that group chat with you, Michael and Heston, and I just stay quiet for some of it until I want to crack a joke or something. Cause I don't know what half of y'all are. T- I don't know what y'all are talking about. I mean, we know who the altitude two, properties, we know who the two formidable, I don't think we're supposed to discuss half of that anymore. Okay. There's like some new things going on that. Well, I didn't think this was about. I thought this was about Sundial, but I could have been. Okay. I've been looking at Sundial. So let me give you a quick update. You know, I'd made that. I'd had that very profitable, like three thousand dollar, twenty four hour period with AMC. Mm-hmm. And um, aside from testing out my new Robinhood debit card at one of the local ATMs and getting my first interest payment, which was way more aggressive than any of my banks. Um. I, uh, I'd just been sitting on all that in buying power, mm. ready to transfer it over to, uh, this other opportunity and I messed up. So a week ago, I don't remember when started seeing this stuff about Clover. Yeah. Clover health investments, Clove, C-L-O-V. Yep. And was kind of seeing some chatter like, oh, GME, AMC and Clove. And then one of these guys that I started following on Twitter, he's got a blue check mark, 70,000 followers. He's in Wall Street bets a lot. As mm-hmm. It looks like he's cited as an expert or somebody credible. Um, he said that it was like 100 out of 100 on the, the short squeeze yeah. list or whatever. And in looking at the stock prices, I was like, boy, it's cheap enough that I could actually do some damage. I could get some real shares and move the needle. Um so I just did a preliminary test. I don't know what I did. I must have bought a thousand or two thousand dollars <laughs> worth of clove. Uh, legit bought it at twenty dollars one day, and I think I day traded it okay. um, for a, a very small profit. I think I made a dollar and change per share. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, "All right, like w- one day, one week, all of my different filters." I was like in the green, up thousands, just very happy. And then I started getting some FOMO, I don't know, June 7, <laughs> June 8, June 9. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Hopefully, because on June 9th, it reached uh, $26.26. Yeah, so I bought after that. Okay. Um, I bought it on the, on the dip. On the dip. Got it. Not at the very bottom of the dip, but <laughs> yeah. I bought it on the Cause dip. Because I'm seeing for a while it fluctuated around 20 to 18. Um, but yeah, it's currently at 14, 82. Yeah, I bought in, well, I, I think I have three different market buys yeah. uh, that comprise all of my buying power. Yeah. So I am, I'm <laughs> all in 100% portfolio <laughs> diversification in Clove. I think it's going to the moon, baby. <laughs> you should all buy it and ho- hold. Strap total. in. Hodl. Um, hold so, on for dear life. So I bought a lot of shares. I have 350 shares of clove uh-huh. and it, it's gone down $2 a share since I purchased, which is no problem. You got to keep buying the dip. It's just going to preserve, uh, the amount of, like I told Heston, I was like, man, I don't want to be in clove over the weekend. Like I'm hoping I can get this out, you know, because I'm thinking if I bought it 16 or $18, mm-hmm. um, I think it was $16. If I bought it sixteen dollars and it could go up ten dollars in a day to twenty six, like I'm, I have a, a little post it note. I have like those longer vertical yellow notes mm-hmm. in my room, and I use my Emporio Cancun pen at all times. Mm. 
And so I've got like my principal into the stock, how many shares it represents, and then that many shares times the market price at different exit points. Like if it's at $20, this is how much principal or buying power I would then have. And I'm just trying to see how can I turn my 2,800 of initial investment transferred over to Robinhood into, you know, a used car. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say millions, but okay. You know, I'm, I get, I, yeah, I want to remain profit driven. And if I can, dude, if I can mess around in my first couple of months or year with Robinhood and start with like a couple thousand in of play money and turn it into like 10, 15, 20, mm-hmm. 30, 50, you know, all that's going to be awesome. Yeah. But it's also up in the ante for these ag- aggressive investments because, you know, I'm not buying a half a share of Twitter anymore. I'm buying like hundreds of shares of like a very speculative stock <laughs> that is extremely volatile at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, I'm buying the stocks where the reviews say, uh, investors say 0% buy this stock. Yeah. Yeah. I Or that doesn't even have that recommendation at all because it's not even like on anybody's radar. Mm-hmm. But I got a whiff of it. And this is, I don't want these stocks that it's always like Casper and uh, GoPro. GoPro's up 2% to $12. I'm like, yeah. I don't care about these little yeah. fluctuations. Like, give me the stuff that goes up $10. And <laughs> so, I'm here for the roller coaster, baby. So Heston called me about, you know, my, my investment this week. And I'm uh-huh. like, when are you going to need it by? Because uh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. And I'm currently tied up. <laughs> Heston, hit me up, man. Let me know. Um, yeah, man. So it's just too much fun. Yeah. makes every day crazy. Yeah. But I also just sit there watching it. Like I have a second monitor where I'm just like watching the price. Cause mm-hmm. I never know. I'm like, what if it shoots up and you go take a dump and it's like <laughs> tanked and everybody's like <laughs> a dump, a bloodbath, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what's happening at 4am? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's my well, other that, question. Like with crypto because. Right. But my other question is like, if I look at my uh, my thing, it shows like today. So it shows that today it's up four point. There's like after there's pre and after market of some of your stocks. Is this stuff getting traded right now or what's going on? No, it starts back on Monday. Yeah. How long does after after hours go for? Um, I think until like nine. 8 or 9 p.m. on Fridays? Sometimes I think that by being so candid about my lack of knowledge <laughs> in these areas, I'm opening myself up to become some a, a tots patsy. Like some very financially literate <laughs> and smooth listener could like embezzle all of my money. <laughs> See, I, I thought it was going to be that it's just opening us, for, you know, for our friends to uh, teach us. But you're... <laughs> But your mind went, no, we're going to get screwed. I mean, what I said was funnier. Uh, the second one is more <laughs> heartfelt. And I also feel that way. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it with the whole Brock thing, die with zero. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, why am I feeling growth in different areas? Yeah. And it was as simple as having friends that would talk to me about investments. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this side of things. And mm-hmm. Opening up an app that was, you know, we talked about the onboarding experience, very much democratization of, of, uh, of investing in the stock market, made it really easy to onboard and then get an initial win. 
and start learning and become more invested in that. And I think this podcast with these conversations and people contributing to them, mm -hmm. that's been a total, like, it's been great after our, after our hiatus earlier in the year and coming back and saying that, oh, we're quitting, blah, blah, blah. It's been great to, you know, get back in here at least by month, bi-weekly. Yeah. Would it be bi-monthly if it's twice a month? Um, yes. That's how I've always well, said it. The, yeah, there's a discrepancy because you could say bi-monthly, which means every... Other month. Yeah. Which one is it? Because I keep hearing people describe it the way you just did. Yeah. So is it's bi-weekly. Well, I, I think technically you could be correct either way. Why would they do that? Because the English language is arbitrary. So we are both right. Yeah. Because people describe this to me all the time, and I'm like, you're saying it wrong. Yeah. I, I'm going to look it up just, just to make sure. But uh, my understanding is that it could be either way. Done, produced, or occurring twice a month or every two months. Yep. Goodness. Yeah. Come on, Webster. <laughs> Get it together. That I'm surprised that doesn't result in more scheduling conflicts. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know, we had one meeting revision this week and it was like, I'm going to change this to like bi-monthly. And then I got like a once every three weeks invitation. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, it's uh, funny. Did you see Lubin Tubin's back? I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you see that interview? <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't watch the interview. I just uh, saw some of the highlights <laughs> with some of the comments who, he made. Who put it out? He was, the, so, he was he, sorry. I think it was Andrew Schultz that like quote tweeted it and was he like, bro, this guy's like apologizing for wanking. <laughs> yeah, he's like, didn't think anybody was watching, <laughs> LOL. Allison Camerata, who is, um, I love her. Uh -huh. She's my, my cable news wife okay. for life. She is like interviewing him is for is so hat in hand. He's so sheepish, yeah. and she's like, she looks like she's going into like clean up a dive in like a hazmat suit. She's mm -hmm. like, I have to do this interview, and she's yeah. kind of like looking around at the cobwebs and the nasty stuff mm -hmm. in the corners. And she goes, so let's just be honest about what happened and recap. Yeah, you were caught masturbating on a zoom call and i'm like whoa this language is so explicit like so blunt like yeah i thought that i thought they were gonna use some like twiddling yeah like some ulterior yeah. language some adjacent language mm -hmm. to describe it like yeah um pleasuring yourself would have been better than masturbating a lot and she's on the cnn 2 p.m hour now so it was like whoa yeah i'm just trying to check on the market <laughs> <laughs> So he was fired. It was really sad. She like basically recited what had happened. She was like, you were caught masturbating on a Zoom call. Um, you were then fired from the New Yorker after being there for 27 years. Mm -hmm. You were placed on uh, an executive leave from CNN. Do I have that right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so cringeworthy. Yeah. And he had to apologize to his colleagues and his family and his kids. wife. Yeah. That's going to be on a Watch People Die Inside compilation oh goodness. by Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Can't keep him down. All right, buddy. Um, I, got, I got one more thing. All right. Let's hear it. I got one more thing before we uh, – I got two more things. Okay. What you got for me? Breaking points shot up the charts. I think they beat the daily – 
uh, New York Times podcast this week. They really? were number three on all of the podcast charts for the U.S. behind only Rogan and one other. Wow. Um, they have eclipsed their subscriber goals initially. Mm -hmm. And to follow up on our conversation from the Hill, Rising the Hill, they do have a new uh, guy and girl duo yeah, in there. I, I saw I saw new people on there. It makes more Twitter. sense. Did you see? I don't know if you watched them religiously, but I watched them every day. Um, I did not on YouTube, and I noticed that they were starting to work in guest hosts next mm -hmm. to Sagar and, and Crystal. Okay. So one day he'd have a girl co-host, and she'd have a male co-host, and that should have been my first clue that something was coming. But yeah, they were testing testing to see if they could find anybody that would work. But the exciting news is that, you know, we now have multiple outlets offering this and it looks like they're going to be doing very well. Um, I haven't actually watched any of their new things. Apparently now for any of the tots that have been turned on to them, which I know there's several, uh, their radars are now called their breaking points. That's their monologues. And hmm. um, anyway, awesome. Man. Shout out to them. Continued yeah. success. Uh, the real last topic that I wanted to get to is. What do you do when you build the world's biggest company ever in the history of mankind and you're the world's <laughs> richest man and you step aside from that company and you just are the chairman? You, uh, what, what do you do first? What do you do first? Um, get a divorce. <laughs> Is that where we're going? I think that was underway for years <laughs> prior to him stepping down from old Amazon, but you go to space. You go to space, baby. You go to space. So how do we feel about this? Let's zoom out. For any tots that don't know, Jeff Bezos divorces McKinsey, continues to date his girl, mm -hmm. steps down from Amazon, remains chairman of the group of Amazon or whatever the thing is, and has another company. He, You know, he owns Washington Post. He owns... Blue Origin, his rocket company. Mm -hmm. Every big billionaire has a rocket company. And uh, the difference between him and Elon is that he's never sent humans to space, as far as I understand. He's never had a manned Blue Origin rocket go to space. Yeah. And their first expedition is upcoming, and it includes the ability for just uh, you know amateur, uh, casual consumer to purchase a, a flight and he's going he's going on the maiden voyage of blue origin to space what do you think um well i'm trying to put myself in a shoe like if you had that amount of money and you had the option would you go to space bro like i'd send a monkey first yeah like, like i do something i don't know if Elon if, sent a Tesla. Even like, if I was able to, I don't know if I would partake. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Listen, do I think that, you know, starting on a card table and with a dream and literally being the world's richest man with like a trillion dollar market cap and then taking your own maiden voyage on your rocket mm -hmm. to space and then coming back and walking amongst us mere yeah. mortals he, is the most BA thing in the world. He's, he's doing side quests now. When you think about the fact that he's going on his own maiden voyage to space, I don't know. Do you feel that much better when it's round two? Honestly, like, yeah, 
if they're not launching off rockets every day like spirit flights, like there's a certain percentage chance. Dude, I feel iffy about spirit flights, and they do it often. <laughs> spirit will get you there, baby. <laughs> it's like here, take take the wheel for a bit. They're like, and unlike Blue Origin, you can be the world's poorest man. <laughs> I like, bought, we can't believe we're up here either. Yeah, I bought a spirit flight with food stamps one time. <laughs> it's like Greyhound was more expensive. They paid me. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Uh, anyway, I just thought that, first of all, I think it's like her, her, Herculean. How do you say it? Her, her, Herculean? Her, Herculean. Thank you. Is that it? Yeah. Herculean. I think it's a Herculean feat and so cool. And again, just further separates him from the rest of us, like chimps, you know, yeah. but so what's he going to do up there? Maiden voyage. He's just checking it out. You know what he's going to do. He's going to be like, he's going to, he's going to do some stuff. Mm. Going to bring, going to bring Tubin up there with him. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know that that's what I was thinking for whatever I weird reason? Know. Man, I hate that we end this show on that. Like, goodness. Oh. Are you still a 29-year-old man, Brad? You're still in your 20s. Still am. Such a gorgeous young boy. Yeah. I remember the vigor of my 20s. Yeah, it's almost it's almost to an end, man. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. When is your actual birthday? I don't know. Less than a month. July 6th? Yep. Oh, I'm good. You're welcome. Yeah. So. Hey, it's been another... Almost multi-hour loopy weekend podcast, baby. Mm-hmm. How you feel about this one? Feel pretty good. Like it. I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of fun topics to discuss, and hope I want to get some feedback and some thoughts from so the some thoughts from the tots. Thoughts from the tots. Yeah, I want to hear what other people think about inside. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I want to hear about some of these um what 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 did we need to know from <laughs> from the investment stuff see oh, i don't even know what i need we don't need to don't... know anything we need you to buy clove and hold it <laughs> and shut up <laughs> that's all you guys could do for me because i need this to bounce back next week i've got bills i've got people are trying to break my knees <laughs> i'm like have you ever heard of clove <laughs> got a unique investment opportunity Yes, I'm just gonna see Carson like in a corner rolling dice. <laughs> uh. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be offering lube and tubins if I don't make this money back here soon. <laughs> I, we we are pivoting out. We're, be we like are a, so close. <laughs> yeah, one Zoom call for some buying power. <laughs> uh, well, we just lost half the audience, man. All right. Way to keep it PG. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Thanks Love for coming you, over. Let's go to the pool. Let's let's watch the, one of those inside skits real quick. Ooh, yes. All let's right. do that. Uh, we'll catch y'all up whenever we do this again. Yeah. Peace out, Tots. Whether it be bi-weekly or bi-monthly, you won't know until you next <laughs> yeah. see it update. Well, you know, we're either going to do this bi-weekly or bi-weekly. Or never. So be thankful for what you get. <laughs> <laughs> and quit calling us. <laughs> <laughs> fill out our survey monkey subscribe to the email newsletter yeah. and don't call us <laughs> we love y'all love <laughs>